Take it away, Elizabeth. All right. We are um, ready to start. We have a great, exciting guest today. We're going to introduce everybody. I am Elizabeth Denham, um, publisher of The Franchise Woman. We've got Ray and Kristen, our co-hosts for the day, and we've got Ed Texera, VP of uh, Development of FranchiseGrade.com. We're going to talk to him in a minute, but first, we always start with the weather and where we are. I am in Spanish Fort, Alabama, where it is 80 degrees, cloudless and breezy. It's one of the most beautiful days we've had. In a while, I sat outside on the computer with my um, son in the pool and did work while he swam and wished I could hop in with him, but the water's still a little bit chilly. <laughs> Ray, what about you? Well, I'm still here in Aurora, Illinois, you know, trying to stay inside uh, where it's cloudy and rainy and 74 degrees. Uh, Kristen, how about you? Well, I'm just not too far from you, so the weather is about the same, although the sun is starting to peek out the window or out of the clouds through the window now, so I'm hoping the next few days allow me to get out in the garden. I lost all my gardens to the freeze. All the plants died on me, so I got to start all over. Happens every year. I get too anxious. Yeah. All right, well, let me introduce Ed. Ed Texera from, uh, is the VP of Development at FranchiseGrade.com. He's got 40 years of experience in the franchise industry. Um, he has served as corporate executive for franchise firms in the retail, manufacturing, healthcare, and technology industries, and has been a franchisee of a multi-million dollar home healthcare franchise. He's also got some other things going. He was telling us earlier about a, a, being, co-authoring a textbook for a franchise class, which is exciting. Um, and he's the author of Franchising from the Inside Out and the Franchise Buyer's Manual. So, Ed, welcome to the Pillars of Franchising. Thank you. Great to be here. All right. Why don't you tell us where you are and what your weather is like, just so you don't feel left out. I am in Port Jefferson, uh, New York. It's on Long Island, about an hour from New York City, and it's a balmy 62 degrees, (laughs) uh, sunny. But uh, we're anticipating, for all those golfers up here, about a week of of showers, so... Yeah, um, maybe we'll get a break here or there. We're sending our weather to you, Ed. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, y'all really want what I have down here, I think. Um, yes. <laughs> it's gorgeous, and our beaches just opened back up, but we haven't been yet. So hopefully soon. Well, Ed, tell us what's been going on with you. We have a crazy world going on around us right now. How are you? Have you been coping and hanging in? Well, I've been uh, between working on the book, doing a lot of writing for Franchise Grade. I do a lot of blogging and also we do a lot of research. So uh, what I'll typically do is when we get information as a result of our research, then I'll put together uh, a report around that information and that data. Uh, I'm also, I do a little consulting on the side here or there, but most of my uh, time has basically been spent uh, to be honest, between working with Franchise Grade, working on the uh, the book, listening and attending webinars, I mean, I, I must have, it's like there's a webinar now, it's like twice a day. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's how I've been spending most of my time. And I obviously trying to keep up with what's going on. Uh, I'm an avid reader. I, I like to know what, you know, what's happening, uh, not only in the business world, but politically, et cetera, so that. You know, I'm cognizant of, of the whole economic environment that we're operating in. And I think that's become even more of an imperative today 
you know, given what we're dealing with with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, so between, uh, you know, putting my mask on and going to the local duck and conference with my wife <laughs> in the morning to get her coffee, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's about, I have a pretty busy schedule. Wow, that, that's interesting. You know what, it's piquing my interest. What is franchise grade? Because uh, if it is what, I, what, you know, what the title sounds like, that sounds fascinating. Well, about five years ago, uh, Jeff Leffler, who's up in London, Ontario, and he's one of those rare individuals who has a tremendous marketing savvy, but also technically extremely bright. He had been a franchisee. He had also uh, represented some franchisee uh, organizations, advisory council. He came up with the idea of why can't we have some way of evaluating a ranking franchise opportunity? Uh, and it, there was really nothing, and there still isn't anything out there that comes close, so that a prospective franchisee could get on a portal or a site, and they could identify maybe a franchise they might be interested in and learn about that concept, and maybe be in the position to compare it to similar franchises. So he came up with the idea of a franchise grade, which basically uh, is a website where franchise candidates, prospective franchisees can get on the site. There's no charge of fee. And they can view thousands of franchise opportunities that we've graded. The basis of our grade is by applying about 500 variables from the FDD document. We have at any time about 3,000 FDDs on our database, mm-hmm. which is analogous to a giant, it actually is, it's not analogous, it's like a giant Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And we have millions of data points, as you can imagine, because we have everything from the franchisee contact list to uh, the last three years of, of information. So we apply about 500 variables that we pull from the database and we use that to establish a grading for franchise system. And it's based on their performance. Some of the most important uh, variables that we use, in addition to item six and seven, which are fees and investment, item three, which is litigation, uh, item 19, which of course is any financial performance representation. And a key one is item 20, which are the tables that show franchise growth, franchise termination, for the previous three years. So based upon that, we're able to apply a grade anywhere from an A plus down to a D to a specific franchise opportunity. Uh, Needless to say, uh, we get a mixed reaction sometimes. The franchisor might contact us and say, why did you give me a D and you gave so-and-so an A? I know I have a better program than they do. And we have to end up defending you know, the rationale that we use when we assign a a grade. So we like to think of ourselves as almost like a Moody's of franchising so that once again, prospective franchisees can get on our site and they can evaluate and they can even make comparisons between perhaps their preferred franchise opportunity and some others that might be in the same space. So that's basically, uh, you know, that's what we do. And it's been extremely exciting, especially for me, having been in the industry so long, we've been able to do research that's uncovered a lot of 
a lot of information that it's never been, it's just never been uh, revealed before. Yeah, it's a nice to have all that in one place. I'd like to ask you another question though, regarding those uh, categories you talked about. Are any of them weighted more than another? Another so is is item two maybe weighted more than item twenty or something like that? They are. In fact, the the category that we probably uh, we have the most weighted to is would be item nineteen, the financial performance representation, and the reason is in the FDDs you can run the gamut from there's one franchisor that's in the cleaning business, dry cleaning, and their, their financial performance representation is based upon the amount of, uh, of laundry that's processed mm -hmm. on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. Now, that will go all the way to someone like uh, Shelly Sons Company. We all know how successful that is, where they have about seven or eight pages of financial performance information. Mm -hmm. So we actually weigh that if a franchisor discloses, let's say, just average revenue for franchise E period compared to someone that has average revenue by franchisee by quartile, they will have maybe a, a, a franchisee P&L based mm -hmm. upon uh, a, an average of all of their franchisees. We're going to give that more value than, once again, someone that might just have average revenue, which isn't very uh, informative for a prospective franchisee. Right. Right. Is, is there a place in this spreadsheet, if I were to go on and let's say I were shopping for a business again, where I could put in um, criteria that at the initial time is important to me, maybe it's how much I have to spend in liquid cash, how much I have in assets. Maybe the lifestyle I'm looking for. So for me, work-life balance was really important when I chose my um, franchise. Are there other fields like that that can help you narrow down the type of franchise that would be best suited? We have we have filters, uh, although the filters aren't as refined uh, as what what you asked. But we have filters. But the important thing is is that let's say you're interested in a a home health franchise, for example, and you have a certain amount you want to invest, you can put that in. So you can filter some general categories. But then you could say, uh, show me, compare me to these three other home health care franchises. And you'll see the differences. And we actually have content. We'll talk about everything from litigation, which is, by the way, another important variable that we value. You can, uh, you can make comparisons from one franchise system to another. Mm -hmm. I would think that at this time, because COVID has negatively impacted so many people in their, I'll call them corporate jobs or um, positions like that, that it's kind of this weird time. I would think in some cases you might find a lot more people um, looking to get out on their own and kind of control their own destiny. Do you find that to be the case with COVID or do you find it to be quite the opposite? Unlike what happened in 08 when we had the credit crunch and a lot of people, uh, a number of people lost their jobs and they cashed, they cashed out either retirement accounts or they might have had a golden parachute or whatever. Uh, we're not finding that. Uh, our lead generation is probably down about 30%. We expect that to go up. 
we we get about uh, about forty thousand, uh, forty five thousand or so uh, views or visits, unique visitors every month. Mm-hmm. And out of that, we were you know we were generating about one thousand actual visitors. I should say leads. These are people that actually filled in their preliminary information. It's gone down a little bit. And I think, Kristen, what's happened is this is such an, a unique experience that people are just taking a wait-and-look-see attitude. It's unlike anything we've ever experienced before. And yeah. In, in franchising, <clears throat> there's always been an unwritten rule that when economic times get tough, our experience in terms of selling more franchises as an industry typically will go up a little bit. But mm-hmm. this is once again, it's it's I've never seen anything like it. Well, I'm sure no one has. Yeah. Right. Ex- except that hundred and two year old woman who survived mm-hmm. the Spanish flu. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> amazing <laughs> woman. Amazing woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your so, business is very interesting. Definitely very mm-hmm. interesting. So in terms of, of your leads being down a little bit during this time and with the idea that franchise businesses have a much higher rate of success, success long-term than a non-franchise. Um, how do you address your marketing in a time like this where you can show people, how do you find your leads? What is the, the way you market to potential buyers or potential uh, franchisees to help them understand the, the stability of a franchise system? We do. Uh, and one of the things we do, because we don't sell franchises, but we do generate a lot of leads. We have a relationship where we can give those leads or provide those leads over to a company that might uh, either broker franchise opportunities or whatever. So that's one, one part of it. The amazing dynamic is when this whole concept started, we thought about generating or monetizing the business based upon prospective franchisees. But our best customers are franchisors. They'd like us to analyze, uh, is their FDD, uh, is it comparable to their competitors? Uh, we do FDD reviews where we'll analyze it and we might, uh, you know, encourage them to go to their attorney because there's improvements and enhancements they should have in their FDD. Some franchisors present very, you know, complicated information at times. They might have an, an item seven and have like three different, you know, investment schedules that can be very confusing for a lay person that's interested in maybe investing in that franchise. So we do a lot of that. We do competitive studies. We do market studies. For example, we had a franchisor that was signing up a, a master in uh, Canada. So he wanted us to do a competitive study of what the franchise landscape was like by his particular category. So uh, it's just funny how it worked out. Although we generate tremendous interest from prospective franchisees, franchisors really, they enjoy uh, seeing how they stack up, so to speak, to their competitors. Mm -hmm. And of course, they all would like to know, how can I get my grading up from a B to an A, et cetera? Yes, and can they pay for that? They do. They, They can't pay to get their grading up. They can pay to have their FDD audit done, have it reviewed, have a competitive study done, et cetera. So where does your business get paid then, Ed? Who pays you? Because if I'm looking for a franchise, do I have to pay for your report 
How does that, how do you make money? No, no. French, prospective franchisees, if you wanted to get on our site and you wanted to purchase uh, or invest in a franchise, there's absolutely no cost to you. You can get on there and stay on there for four hours. Uh, you can navigate to every, you know, many thousands of franchise opportunities. And if you're really interested in a franchise, then we'll take that lead and we'll send that over to, you know, any of our affiliates, and then they may reach out to you. And It'd that's be like basic, a, yeah. Like a Fran Net or something like exactly. that? Exactly. Okay. Franchise Brokers Association, something like that, exactly. Yep. Okay. And then those are typically the folks or somebody looking for a franchise. Those are the folks who would, who would take more of a deep dive into what you're looking for. Like with me, when we worked with FranNet or FranChoice. Exactly was, right. That's exactly right. Yeah, where we said we're looking for a lifestyle change and we need this work-life balance. And they're the ones that then said, okay, here's, you know, beyond maybe what you would give. Right, right. Okay. And we'll speak to franchise. We'll speak to uh, to franchise candidates. We've done that uh, countless times. Mm-hmm. And we'll try to get a little more insight into what they're looking for. And as you mentioned, what their lifestyle preference, what their lifestyle is and what their preferences might be. Awesome. So, uh, but a lot of what we do, and this isn't easily, this isn't monetized, but we do a lot of research. Because of our database, we can pull all kinds of data out very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, having been in this business for 40 plus years, we did a study on franchise litigation. And it was absolutely a revelation. 75% of franchise franchises, this is in their FDD, they had no lawsuits against them from franchisees. No lawsuits. And you know, those of us that have been in the industry always hear about, well, franchising, you get involved, you get sued, etc. It was incredible. We found out that 17% of franchisees had one to three lawsuits. So 85%, oh, let me see, that adds up to know about 92% of franchisees had no more than zero to three lawsuits against the franchisor. Incredible. Yeah, that's really great. That's, that's outstanding because uh, 17 and a half years ago when I was looking at my FTD for Molly Maid, I actually called them because I had looked at several already and all of them had lawsuits in them. But when I got the one from Molly made, I thought they'd left it out. I called them and I says, what's going on? You left it out. And they said, no, we just don't have any. And I was shocked. And that was definitely. Yeah, it's not. And, and you know, on the franchisor side, 85% of the franchisors in our database, they have zero to three lawsuits against their franchisees. Wow. Now, obviously, if you look at certain systems that are extremely large, like Subway, et cetera, you're going to find a lot more. But even the large systems, we've weighed some of those based upon the size of their system, a dramatic bit of information that franchising just isn't as replete with lawsuits as one might suspect. It really is. Don't you think? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I find that so interesting because I think um, a lot of that, you'll have to tell me if you agree, depends on having 
um, a good understanding of what you're buying in terms of the franchise, really understanding the FDD and what your rights are as a franchisee and where the line is drawn between a franchisee and a franchisor, and really having a good support system at the franchisor. I mean, I know with a lot of businesses, I've talked to several people in our industry, but with different brands who may not feel as trustworthy or, or, or feel as good with their franchisor as maybe I do with ours. And so right, I think that right. if somebody's looking to buy, there's also a lot to be said when you meet with that franchisor, when you do your discovery day, when you do your validation with other owners to really get a feel for um, kind of the forthrightness of the people that you would be working with and certainly the people that would be there to support you. You're right. And, uh, you know, I grew up in that environment where franchise brokers were sort of an anomaly. Mm-hmm. And every franchisor had their in-house franchise development or sales group. And uh, for about five years, I used to speak at the IFA conference when it was in D.C. before it moved to New York. And the topic was Discovery Day, and it was for prospective franchisees. And my presentation consisted of telling them a few things. Don't go to Discovery Day until you've learned as much as you can about the franchisor. Don't go until you've spoken to a number of franchisees. And don't allow yourself to be sold. And I would give them a list of questions like to try to gauge, the, what you mentioned, the corporate culture. Uh, I'd give them some questions to ask. And uh, it was amazing. People in the audience, prospective franchisees, would tell me, give me examples of, well, I couldn't get my FDD or at that time UFOC unless I went to Discovery Day. Or they try to get me to go to Discovery Day, you know, like a week later, and I couldn't just travel, you know, like 2,000 miles. So I think people generally are still very trusting. And we in franchising have a tremendous responsibility to be honest and forthright and recognize that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I've carried that torch since I've been in the business. I really have. And I've been fortunate to have always worked for some good franchisors all the way back to my days in Kentucky, where I learned the basics. And I, I really think that's it, that's paramount. That's a great point. Um, and on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break and uh, acknowledge our sponsors. And then when we come back, Ray, you've got the next question. Sounds good. Okay. Thank you. And we want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. We want to remind listeners or that they can chat at pillarsoffranchising.com. Uh, thanks to the folks who have already sent questions to Elizabeth. Keep them coming. We're having a good time. We also want to uh, give recognition to Feedspot for listing us in the top 20 podcasts you must follow in 2020. We were honored and knocked out when we heard about it. And now a word from a sponsor. Hey, franchise owners, how is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. 
with daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence. We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Woman will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women, we are The Franchise Woman. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. And just a reminder, you can call in and ask questions at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And now, back to Elizabeth. Thank you very much, Fred. And Ray, you got your next question ready? <laughs> I don't know. Do we, it's kind of weird hearing that mysterious voice without seeing <laughs> I don't know, Fred. Uh-huh. <laughs> And, it's the voice from the rabbit hole. How about that? <laughs> I, I think this is very exciting for a lot of our audience, our people who are just beginning their search. So they're, uh, they're very new at this. So I think this one stop place where they can actually see all this information is very exciting. Um, one of the, I think I'd like to delve into a little bit more about uh, do you, uh, your database, is it separated by category as far as the industries are concerned, you know, like food industry and home care and, in, you know, whatever other industries there are? Uh, there's two, two elements to it. One is uh, the actual portal where franchise candidates uh, can get on and they can filter out by industry categories, et cetera. So if you're interested in fitness or home care or personal services, they can sort that way. And our actual database, that's the, the foundation of all the information that we have, uh, we basically have franchise sectors, which is analogous to what the IFA uses and other mm-hmm. leading franchise organizations use. We break that down into categories. We then break it down into subcategories. So we could break, uh, you know, QSR down all the way to chicken concepts that are quick serve. Mm. And that's basically, you know, how we develop the the database so that we can pull information for a particular sector. So whether if you're a prospective franchisee, you benefit from that by getting on the site and being able to zero in on a specific category. Now, are there uh, specific grades in certain areas, like you know, financial grade and, and uh, other other 
areas. Uh, yes. And then you have a, a, a grade at the end that's an average of those. Yes. Yes, we do. We actually show individual grading and even comments. Mm -hmm. uh, we may say that uh, this franchise opportunity, uh, there, there was no financial performance representation. Mm -hmm. So the grade might be a C or a D. Mm -hmm. Or this franchise had, the tables are very important. Mm -hmm. Item 20, which show franchise termination, mm -hmm. franchise growth, et cetera, turnover, sold but not open, is an extremely component for evaluating a franchise system. Oh, yeah. So we show that as well. Mm. So we, we indicate all of the key, what I like to call performance factors mm -hmm. when we grade a franchise uh, system. So for people like me, I happen to jump into this right as the recession hit in 07, 08. This was what I chose to do instead of being downsized. Today, obviously, as we discussed, COVID has not necessarily produced the same type of people like me. Um, however, I think there are probably a lot of people out there listening today thinking, okay, step one is to go to franchise grade. Once I go there, then they're going to turn me on to somebody else who can help. I guess my question is more, are, right now, are the banks willing to loan money during COVID? I mean, for us small businesses, we've all applied for the PPP and Mine, thank goodness, just arrived today. Um, but in terms of people who want to get new businesses, new franchises going, um, do you find that they're able to do it in, the, in this environment? Yeah, I think I think there's ample funds for that. And uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the franchise directory, and mm -hmm. that's the which uh, Fran Data had gotten involved with, and the SBA is involved with now administering. So I think there are funds. The thing right now, though, is is that great unknown. And if you, if I sort of, I, I draw the analogy between an investor and a franchise and a lender, as to the typical consumer that might be reluctant to go to that restaurant until they feel very comfortable. Once again, this is like, it's something we just don't know a lot about because it, we've never lived through anything quite like this. Now, there's some right. franchisors that have have, have expressed. Uh, the fact that they've done okay during this, you know, this crisis, those in the uh, senior care or healthcare field, those in uh, certain mm -hmm. residential and uh, commercial cleaning services, uh, those that have a good proportion of takeout business, like a lot of the pizza concepts, from what I've, I, I understand they're doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, now mm -hmm. that I've even talked to, I, I, I did some interviews with Stony Brook University, and I spoke to someone that has a kickboxing franchise uh, with 90 franchisees, and they seem to be doing okay. Uh, they do a lot of virtual programs now with their franchisees. They've rolled back revenues. They've made it a little bit easier financially for them to keep their doors open. So... Uh, I think that to answer your question really in a nutshell, it's just this great unknown. We really, uh, all of us as consumers, as investors, as people in the industry, it's like you, you can't really look into that crystal ball and get any kind of indication what it's going to be like in September, for example. Yeah. It's really. Right, right. Yeah. 
Well, you know, we've suffered through, well, I have, uh, you know, the 2008, 2009 thing and now this. And I got to say, Kristen, I think our industry is pretty resilient. Uh, you know, so, of course, we didn't think about those things when we started them, but yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. the one thing, the, the one driving factor for me is I was thinking about what is the biggest upcoming um, thing and it was the baby boomers were all hitting this age where they were going to have extra money and need extra help and those are kind of aside with my work-life balance but today you know you almost have to say okay now you have to think of what is something that could be still successful in the COVID situation <laughs> right it's like who would have thought I would have thought of this but yeah right. I think uh, you know uh, Ray you make a great point and there's news out now, 100,000 small businesses have closed. But the one thing about franchising is, and let's just take a typical franchise system, maybe they have 50, 75 franchisees. They have a brand and they have a support structure. Mm -hmm. And although some franchisees may have to close their doors, unlike that small business who has no one to turn to, it's an independent, yeah. Thank goodness the franchisee has that sort of cocoon they're operating in and mm -hmm. they have that support structure and whether it's the franchise, you know, and, and think about our industry, it's been built in with royalties and fees, but the franchisors and everyone I've spoken to has provided some form of relief or abatement. Mm -hmm. They're, they're able to yeah. enable the franchisees to continue to, to keep their doors open. That's right. And and that's Absolutely. tremendous. So I, I agree, Ray. I think that's a, a credit to our industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe out of all of this franchising, we'll get even more credit than it has in the past. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I, re I think we're going to be okay. It's just, once again, it's a case more of when, mm -hmm. not whether. And, yeah. you know, we don't know. Well, maybe, you know, maybe some regions of the country that are, are being fairly successful now, we'll be able to rebound quicker than others. But I think in the long run, we're going to be fine. We, I, I really believe that. So, so talking about the sustainability, especially during the recession times and the pandemic times, do you have, I'm interested in what your report looks like. We've, we've touched on what you grade, but if I'm a potential franchisee, what am I getting from the report? And do you address something like sustainability, stability, ability to, you know, resilience in the economy um, for the, especially the ones that have been around a while? And if you don't, is that something you think you might consider going forward? Because this is going to happen again. <laughs> well, no, I think that's a great question. We don't get into too many extraneous factors uh, mm -hmm. because think of, again, we have the FDD, which is a tremendous source of data. We, right. we let that bubble up and that goes in our grading plus informative candidate. But uh, if Jeff Leffler isn't listening now, I'll be sure to tell him. I think it'd be great to get involved with some extraneous data. I have a, an MA in economics. That was always my, I loved economics, which made me a weirdo in college, <laughs> in graduate school. But I think that would be great. And that's a, that's a good suggestion. I really think that would be super to add that you know, into the component, because if someone's interested in a certain region of the country, a certain market, then obviously having that kind of demographic, or what they call now psychographic data would be tremendous. Right. So I'm and and to follow up one. on that, 
Yeah, okay, good. Well, I'm glad I had a good idea. My other question, though, is do you do data after the fact? So do you, do you track where your leads go, what the outcomes of those leads are? Do you do any kind of back-end research to determine um, that everything's on the right track and this is working for your... For your we do that. Yes, okay. we do that. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to mention, we walk like a fine gray, a fine line in franchise gray, because although we're so supportive and invested in the franchise industry, sometimes we may publish research that might not be totally flattering. <laughs> We've always yeah. been like in between. I mean, mm-hmm. representing the industry, but we're representing the good franchisors and we're right. representing franchisees that need and thrive on getting more information. Mm-hmm. And we did a study a while ago. We called it a, a few bad apples. And we found that 25% of franchise systems, they had negative growth, you know, like item 20. They didn't really grow very much. They represented 61% of the outlets that closed over a certain period of time, 61%. So, you know, that's the kind of, now some of them might read that and they say, well, that's a, you're giving franchising a bad eye, a black eye. No, we're not. What we're saying is that perhaps those franchise systems, if they were to improve, would represent a more quality investment for people risking their money. It would also enhance mm-hmm. our industry. I mean, everyone's a winner when, when it comes to that. So, like I said, yeah, I think that's, that would be amazing information to have. And in terms of what we were just talking about of, of sustainability and longevity, that those numbers would be critical. So do the people who get those a few bad apples, do they listen well and try to make improvements? Oh, yes. Some of them do. <laughs> we don't now. We're very careful. We want to be very diplomatic. We, uh, mm-hmm. we don't want to single out any system. There's a lot of reasons for it. Number one is it's just not good business. Number two is number two is there are some franchise systems that haven't done well that end up getting acquired. They change leadership and they end up turning the ship around. Right. So it would be unfair of us to target anyone, mm-hmm. except maybe like Burger IM, that you may be familiar with, that came over here. Uh, that Israeli franchise concept. The woman came over here and or the men, I should say, and they sold all these franchises and they never did any, you know, we call those the smoking mirror franchise. It's a startup without any, any existing location. And they go out and they try to sell a whole bunch of franchises. And all they do is give our industry a terrible name, but they represent such a tiny little percent of all the franchisors that are out there. So we're going to continue to take a look at those kinds of concepts. And we're probably going to publish a paper maybe in the next month or two that targets what we call, once again, these smoking mirror franchises. There's not a lot, but they do tremendous damage to the industry and to the people that make an investment, you know, in that kind of an opportunity. Oh, yeah. It's like a Bernie Madoff kind of deal for franchising. That's awful. Yeah, no, I think it's terrible. I mean, it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it really is. It's, uh, so we're, we're talking about the grading system. So we, you talked a little bit a few seconds ago about the bottom end of the spectrum. And I'm going to assume someone like Chick-fil-A 
or someone like that is at the other end of the spectrum. Can you name a few more on either end? Well, Subway is definitely fallen mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. We, we know what's happened to them, especially since Fred DeLuca passed away. And uh, they've shuttered uh, thousands of locations. Uh, you know, on the other end, and this has been quite a, an experience for me, there's been franchise systems that I never really heard a lot about. They were below the radar. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple that come to mind that were graded right at the top. One is Wild Birds Unlimited. And I know you may know Paul Pickett, who's the head of mm-hmm. franchise development. Mm-hmm. And the other was a company I never heard of, Christian Brothers Automotive. Mm-hmm. Of course, they have God in their side. Uh, but yeah. they are they're a very, very good franchise. Mm-hmm. They don't get a lot of press. You know, when people talk about franchises, you know, they may talk about the McDonald's, the Chick-fil-A's, the Domino's, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But there's just two franchises that perform exceptionally well that, quite frankly, I wasn't even aware of, given mm-hmm. all the experience I've had in the industry. But when we started churning out our grades, I mean, they came out like right at the top of the list. Wow. And there's a, there's a lot like that. So if there's one thing that we hope we can do is, provide prospective franchisees information on those opportunities that either they were not aware of or that might be, you know, once again, below the radar, so to speak, that don't get a lot of publicity. And there's mm-hmm. a lot out there. Yeah, I can imagine. That, that's why this is such a great opportunity for people who are searching for a franchise. It really is. We, um, we are to the point where we need to take our second commercial break. So we will be back in just a few minutes. Fred's going to take us out. Okay. How are you calling Fred? Maybe he's not going to take us out. (laughs) (laughs) Something's on the screen. Yeah, something changed. He's on mute. Fred, you know you're on mute. <laughs> there he is. Okay. And we're still here. Um, yes, there you are. On to thank the Barely hear you, Fred. Show. There you want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting the show. Uh, reminder that Tuesdays is Caffeinated Connections. You can register at caffeinatedconnections.com, answer the question of the day, and meet other interesting professionals. And now, a word from another sponsor. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com. 
or feel free to call us on 800-321-6200. I met Nick. The first time I met him, I said, you're the franchise NBA. I'm the franchise PhD. <laughs> <laughs> and back to you, Elizabeth. All right. Welcome back to the show. And uh, Kristen, you have a next question? Sure. I would like to know um, how much of, like, if I talk about your HR practices there for you, how many people work in your organization? How many does it take to kind of round up all this data? How many people do you have doing that for you on a daily basis? We have uh, right now three people in our IT department. We have uh, two marketing people. We have an analyst. And we have a person who is an expert at SEO, uh-huh. uh, and he works on our website. And then we have a creative person. And okay. what, we're now in the process of automating our data extraction so that we'll be able to pull data uh, much faster, and we'll be able to pull even more data so we won't have to get involved with, uh, you know, dealing with any kind of manual extraction. One of the projects that we've we've looked at, which would be phenomenal, if you think about the FDD and all of the financial uh, income statements, balance sheets, the exhibits to it, they're all presented a little different. And one of these days, we're going to write a program so that we can pull that kind of information, which would be incredible. Can you imagine now being able to get, because remember so many franchises are privately held, be able to pull that information that's disclosed in the FDD and publish metrics about, you know, which franchisors are in X amount on royalties, how much they make on initial fees, what about advertising fund contributions? Mm-hmm. That would be absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But it's a major undertaking. But that's like that's in the queue. Uh, right, right. Right now we're working to automate more data extraction, so okay. that we can just pull data in a matter of seconds. Yeah, I asked that because one of our questions we always talk about is how AI affects like some of the HR practices that you guys have. And I just thought you're probably not a real big team, but you would think there's a lot of programs and things along the lines of AI that you could use to tear through hundreds and hundreds of FBDs in a short period of time. That's exactly what we're doing. Yeah, that's what we're programming now. Yeah. Excellent. Ed, I think you mentioned uh, earlier on, or, or maybe that was before the show started, that you've been in the business for over 40 years. Is that correct? Yes. I got to ask the question then. What, over those 40 years, what has remained constant and what has changed the most in the franchise industry? I think what's remained the constant is there's certain principles about franchising that to me have never, never changed. And some of them are very fundamental and not to sound naive, but you know, they're, they're just, they're part of the fabric of franchising. And that is franchisees, number one, and Ray Kroc did this when he started uh, mm-hmm. to convert McDonald's. Franchisees have got to make money. Yeah. You can't pile on fees and other costs. You got to have them make money. You have to stay close to them. You have to support them. You have to listen to them. And no franchisor has to have an ego so large that they think they're always right. 
<laughs> Those are sort of like five principles that I've always uh, ascribed to. And I still believe if you look at the best franchises in America, you're going to find those principles are, are prevalent in every single case. Yeah, that's true. I really do. So what, what's, what's changed? What's new? Yeah, what's new? I, I go back to the days when we got leads in a big printout sheet that was about, you know, weighed about 20 pounds. <laughs> I think the technology has made such a difference today. Uh, it's provided the opportunity to enhance communication with franchisees. So when I started the business, we didn't have, it was either a conference call or it was a, a live meeting. Mm-hmm. Today, there's no excuse why franchisors can enhance their communication with their customers, their franchisees. And I also think that despite the fact that we have some franchise systems that don't do as well as they should, I think overall the industry is, is better than it, it used to be. I think we have higher levels of franchisee satisfaction. And I think we have less, I'd say, charlatans out there that are trying to, you know, make a quick buck on franchising. So mm-hmm. I think from a regulatory standpoint and disclosure that the industry has, has come a long way, you know, ways than what it used to be like. And uh, those are probably, you know, to me, the most dramatic changes that I've observed. Do you find that, that there are more franchises that are into, you, you mentioned my favorite term being the fabric, right? So to me, it's about being the fabric and the part of the fabric of the community that you serve. And so um, there are several franchises. I don't know how many. I don't know what the percentage is kind of why I'm asking you, that have some way of giving back to their community, some type of a charity or something like that that they do. Do you find that that's more common today? I do. And I guess the best example is Jersey Mike's, where they take a day and all of the proceeds go to a charity in a specific location, Chick-fil-A. And, and you know, the funny thing is what this COVID-19 has brought out is, and I think it's something that everyone has to remember, when this is over, and when we return to what, who knows what the new novel will be like, people are going to remember, and I'm going to stick to franchising. They're going to remember the franchise boards and the franchisees that did do things for their communities. And there's a lot of them that are donating everything from pizzas to sandwiches. I just read about uh, one of the franchises donating shakes, Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Mm-hmm. Charlie said, we're donating, we got our franchise donating shakes to healthcare providers. So I think people are going to remember those franchises that did that. And I think franchisees and the employees are going to remember the franchisors that were supportive of the franchises that they worked for. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, I, I think the good will I really do. Yeah, I think it builds a really good franchisee-franchisor relationship if they've got that extra support from a national level to pull everyone together and really make a big impact rather than individual small businesses trying to do it on their own. Yeah, and every franchise or that I've interviewed, and I, I believe them, every one of them has said they were in contact with their franchisees, some every day and some every other mm-hmm. day. And I've said yeah. to them, well, when things get back to normal, don't go back to the old way if you have an old way. 
<laughs> yeah. Keep listening to those people. Keep your finger on their pulse because they're your business. And like we used to say, franchisees sell franchises. That's yeah. right. I mean, they really that's do. That's exactly right. And, and, and on that note, that's such a great way to wrap up the show. Um, we're going to go to the down the rabbit hole question, and Fred is going to ask you that. So get ready for some fun. Oh, welcome to the rabbit hole, and down we go. Um, today's rabbit hole question is actually based on some current events. Recently, or the last week since I think the last show, the Navy has acknowledged several pieces of video uh, as real, showing unidentified aerial phenomena. So assuming that these uh, videos are an advance wave of an alien invasion, how will franchising survive after the alien invasion begins? <laughs> wow. I think, what, I think what we would probably want to do is is have the aliens uh, be able to set up their own lo- locations and franchise their high intelligence, their, uh, their food concept, and uh, perhaps come up with a way to help fran- offer franchises that populate other planets, just like Earth. <laughs> other than that, Fred, I'm totally baffled. And I'm a, a good I'm answer. A yeah, I'm a, Je- I'm a Jeopardy... Uh, I'm a Je- Jeopardy washer, uh, watcher, but boy, you, <laughs> <laughs> you got me here, Fred. Thanks, thanks for coming to my world down the rabbit hole. Elizabeth, last word. <laughs> All right, we asked the last question of the show. Um, if someone wants to reach you or use your product, what is the best way to reach you? Uh, they, <coughs> excuse me, my allergies. Uh-oh. <laughs> they can get me at ed.teixeira at franchise.com or they can call me at 631-246-5782 and I guarantee I'll find something in common with whoever calls. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Which is a great quality to have. <laughs> well, I'm lucky. Right. Thank God the franchising. I've been all over That's the right. world. I've been in every state in the union. Well, I love the industry. It's been a tremendous experience. Yeah. Yeah. Very so exciting. Nice well, talking with you. Absolutely. And thank you so much for coming on. And we look forward to seeing what's coming next from you guys. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. Stay healthy, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, thanks. Bye bye now. Thanks, Ed. Bye bye. And this has been. Yeah.